Today is October 10th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so blessed by your presence. So thankful that you decided to show up once again. And I really am full of joy that I have this opportunity yet once again to sit before you and read God's holy word to participate in this sacred oral tradition that dates back millennia. Like, I don't take this for granted. I don't take this lightly. This truly is a blessing, a privilege, and an honor. And you make this journey worth it. Like, I am still tripping that I'm really out here doing this. But I am. I am sharing God's word and I am sharing the thoughts and the insights that he's given me with the intention and the hope and the prayer that the things that I share make it a little easier for you to go forth on your own journeys, that it enriches you in some way, that it adds some light and levity to your life in some way. Like, Yeah, I hope it's doing all of those things for you. It is certainly doing all of those things for me. But enough of that. Let's get into this word today and let's see what it is that God wants from us and what it is that God has for us today. Our journey today takes us back into the book of Jeremiah. Let's see what's in store for us. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 11 through chapter 16, verse 15. The message, the killing fields. God said to me, don't pray that everything will turn out all right for this people. When they skip their meals in order to pray, I won't listen to a thing they say. When they redouble their prayers, bringing all kinds of offerings from their herds and crops, I'll not accept them. I'm finishing them off with war and famine and disease. I said, but master, God, their preachers have been telling them that everything is going to be all right. No war and no famine, that there's nothing to worry about. Then God said, these preachers are liars and they use my name to cover their lies. I never sent them. I never commanded them. And I don't talk with them. The sermons they've been handing out are sheer illusions, issues of lies, whistlings in the dark. So this is my verdict on them. All the preachers who preach using my name as their text, preachers I never sent in the first place, preachers who say war and famine will never come here, these preachers will die in war and by starvation. And the people to whom they've been preaching will end up as corpses, victims of war and starvation, thrown out in the streets of Jerusalem unburied. No funerals for them or their wives or their children. I'll make sure they get the full brunt of all their evil. And you, Jeremiah, will say this to them. My eyes pour out tears day and night. The tears never quit. My dear, dear people are battered and bruised, hopelessly and cruelly wounded. I walk out into the fields, shocked by the killing fields, strewn with corpses. I walk into the city, shocked by the sight of starving bodies. And I watch the preachers and priests going about their business as if nothing's happened. God, have you said your final no to Judah? Can you simply not stand Zion any longer? If not, 
Why have you treated us like this, beaten us nearly to death? We hoped for peace. Nothing good came from it. We looked for healing and got kicked in the stomach. We admit, oh God, how badly we've lived and our ancestors, how bad they were. We've sinned. They've sinned. We've all sinned against you. Your reputation is at stake. Don't quit on us. Don't walk out and abandon your glorious temple. Remember your covenant? Don't break faith with us? Can the no gods of the godless nations cause rain? Can the sky water the earth by itself? You're the one, O oh God, who does this. So you're the one for whom we wait. You made it all. You do it all. Then God said to me, Jeremiah, even if Moses and Samuel stood here and made their case, I wouldn't feel a thing for this people. Get them out of here. Tell them to get lost. And if they ask you, so where do we go? Tell them God says, if you're assigned to die, go and die. If assigned to war, go and get killed. If assigned to starve, go starve. If assigned to exile, off to exile you go. I've arranged for four kinds of punishment, death in battle, the corpses dropped off by killer dogs, the rest picked clean by vultures, the bones gnawed by hyenas. They'll be a sight to see, a sight to shock the whole world, and all because of Manasseh, son of Hezekiah, and all he did in Jerusalem. Who do you think will feel sorry for you, Jerusalem? Who do you think will waste tears on you? Who will bother to take the time to ask, so how are things going? You left me, remember? God's decree. You turned your back and walked out, so I will grab you and hit you hard. I'm tired of letting you off the hook. I threw you to the four winds and let the winds scatter you like leaves. I made sure you'll lose everything since nothing makes you change. I created more widows among you than grains of sand on the ocean beaches. At noon, mothers will get the news of their sons killed in action. Sudden anguish for the mothers, all those terrible deaths. A mother of falls to the ground, gasping for breath, robbed of her children in their prime. Her sun sets at high noon. Then I'll round up any of you that are left alive and see that you're killed by your enemies. God's decree. Giving everything away for nothing. Unlucky mother that you had me as a son. Given the unhappy job of indicting the whole country, I've never hurt or harmed a soul, and yet everyone is out to get me. But God knows I've done everything I could to help them, prayed for them, and against their enemies. I've always been on their side trying to stave off disaster. God knows how I've tried. Oh Israel, oh Judah, what are your chances against the iron juggernaut from the north? In punishment for your sins, I'm giving away everything you've got, giving it away for nothing. I'll make you slaves to your enemies in a strange and far-off land. My anger is blazing and fierce, burning in hot judgment against you. You know where I am, God. Remember what I'm doing here. Take my side against my detractors. Don't stand back while they ruin me. Just look at the abuse I'm taking. When your words showed up, I ate them, swallowed them whole. What a feast! What delight I took in being yours, O oh God, God of the angel armies! I never joined the party crowd in their laughter and their fun. Led by you, I went off by myself. You'd filled me with indignation. Their sin had me seething. But why? Why this chronic pain, this 
ever-worsening wound and no healing in sight. You're nothing, God, but a mirage, a lovely oasis in the distance, and then nothing. This is how God answered me. Take back those words, and I'll take you back. Then you'll stand tall before me. Use words truly and well. Don't stoop to cheap whining. Then, but only then, you'll speak for me. Let your words change them. Don't change your words to suit them. I'll turn you into a steel wall, a thick steel wall, impregnable. They'll attack you but won't put a dent in you because I'm at your side defending and delivering. God's decree. I'll deliver you from the grip of the wicked. I'll get you out of the clutch of the ruthless. Can mortals manufacture God's, God's message to me? Jeremiah, don't get married. Don't raise a family here. I have signed the death warrant on all the children born in this country, the mothers who bear them and the fathers who beget them, an epidemic of death. Death unlamented, the dead unburied, dead bodies decomposing and stinking like dung. All the killed and starved corpses served up as meals for carrion crows and mongrel dogs. God continued, don't enter a house where there's mourning. Don't go to the funeral. Don't sympathize. I've quit caring about what happens to this people. God's decree, no more loyal love on my part. No more compassion. The famous and obscure will die alike here, unlamented and unburied. No funerals will be conducted. No one will give them a second thought. No one will care. No one will say, I'm sorry. No one will so much as offer a cup of tea, not even for the mother or father. And if there happens to be a feast celebrated, don't go there either to enjoy the festivities. God of the angel armies, the God of Israel says, watch this. I'm about to banish smiles and laughter from this place. No more brides and bridegrooms celebrating, and I'm doing it in your lifetime before your very eyes. When you tell this to the people and they ask, why is God talking this way, threatening us with all these calamities? We're not criminals after all. What have we done to our God to be treated like this? Tell them this. It's because your ancestors left me, walked off, and never looked back. They took up with the no-gods, worshipped and doted on them, and ignored me and wouldn't do a thing I told them. And you're even worse. Take a good look in the mirror. Each of you doing whatever you want, whenever you want, refusing to pay attention to me. And for this, I'm getting rid of you throwing you out in the cold into a far and strange country. You can worship your precious no-gods there to your heart's content. Rest assured, I won't bother you anymore. On the other hand, don't miss this. The time is coming when no one will say any longer, as sure as God lives, the God who delivered Israel from Egypt. What they'll say is, as sure as God lives, the God who brought Israel back from the land of the north, brought them back from all the places where he'd scattered them. That's right, I'm going to bring them back to the land I first gave to their ancestors. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 through chapter 3 verse 13. 
You remember us in those days, friends working our fingers to the bone, up half the night, moonlighting so you wouldn't have the burden of supporting us while we proclaimed God's message to you? You saw with your own eyes how discreet and courteous we were among you, with keen sensitivity to you as fellow believers, and God knows we weren't freeloaders. You experienced it all firsthand. With each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God, who caught us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. And now we look back on all this and thank God, a geyser of thanks. When you got the message of God we preached, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which it is, God himself at work in you believers. Friends, do you realize that you followed in the exact footsteps of the churches of God in Judea, those who were the first to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? You got the same bad treatment from your countrymen as they did from theirs, the Jews who killed the master Jesus to say nothing of the prophets, and followed it up by running us out of town. They make themselves offensive to God and everyone else by trying to keep us from telling people who've never heard of our God how to be saved. They've made a career of opposing God and have gotten mighty good at it. But God is fed up, ready to put an end to it. Do you have any idea how very homesick we became for you, dear friends? Even though it hadn't been that long and it was only our bodies that were separated from you, not our hearts, we tried our very best to get back to see you. You can't imagine how much we missed you. I, Paul, tried over and over to get back, but Satan thwarted us each time. Who do you think we're going to be proud of when our master Jesus appears if it's not you? You're our pride and joy. So when we couldn't stand being separated from you any longer and could find no way to visit you ourselves, we stayed in Athens and sent Timothy to get you up and about, cheering you on so you wouldn't be discouraged by these hard times. He's a brother and companion in the faith, God's man in spreading the message, preaching Christ. Not that the trouble should come as any surprise to you. You've always known that we're in for this kind of thing. It's part of our calling. When we were with you, we made it quite clear that there was trouble ahead. And now that it's happened, you know what it's like. That's why I couldn't quit worrying. I had to know for myself how you were doing in the faith. I didn't want the tempter getting to you and tearing down everything we had built up together. But now that Timothy is back, bringing this terrific report on your faith and love, we feel a lot better. It's especially gratifying to know that you continue to think well of us and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. In the middle of our trouble and hard times here, just knowing how you're doing keeps us going. Knowing that your faith is alive keeps us alive. What would be an adequate thanksgiving to offer God for all the joy we experience before Him because of you? We do what we can, praying away night and day, asking for the bonus of seeing your faces again and doing what we can to help when your faith falters. May God, our Father Himself, and our Master Jesus clear the road to you. And may the Master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. Just 
just as it does from us to you. May you be infused with strength and purity, filled with confidence in the presence of God our Father when our Master Jesus arrives with all his followers. Psalm 80 Listen, shepherd, Israel, shepherd, get all your Joseph sheep together. Throw beams of light from your dazzling throne so Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh can see where they're going. Get out of bed. You've slept long enough. Come on the run before it's too late. God, come back. Smile your blessing smile. That will be our salvation. God, God of the angel armies, how long will you smolder like a sleeping volcano while your people call for fire and brimstone. You put us on a diet of tears, bucket after bucket of salty tears to drink. You make us look ridiculous to our friends. Our enemies poke fun day after day. God of the angel armies, come back. Smile your blessing smile. That will be our salvation. Remember how you brought a young vine from Egypt, cleared out the brambles and briars, and planted your very own vineyard? You prepared the good earth you planted her roots deep. The vineyard filled the land. Your vine soared high and shaded the mountains, even dwarfing the giant cedars. Your vine ranged west to the sea, east to the river. So why do you no longer protect your vine? Trespassers pick its grapes at will. Wild pigs crash through and crush it, and the mice nibble away at what's left. God of the angel armies, turn our way. Take a good look at what's happened and attend to this vine. Care for what you once tenderly planted, the vine you raised from a shoot, and those who dared to set it on fire. Give them a look that will kill. Then take the hand of your once favorite child, the child you raised, to adulthood. We will never turn our back on you. Breathe life into our lungs so we can shout your name. God, God of the angel armies, come back. Smile your blessing smile. That will be our salvation. Proverbs 25 verses 1 through 5. The right word at the right time. There are also these Proverbs of Solomon collected by scribes of Hezekiah, king of Judah. God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. Like the horizons for breadth and the ocean for depth, the understanding of a good leader is broad and deep. Remove impurities from the silver and the silversmith can craft a fine chalice. Remove the wicked from leadership and authority will be credible and God-honoring. So as we come to the close of today's episode of Verses and Flow, I know, I know, I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I really, I really can't help myself when I see something, I have to say something. I want to share because I want to see if you see what I see. So I'm reflecting on Jeremiah 14, 16 and Psalm 80, Jeremiah chapters 14 through 16. And I am, I'm struck by the symmetry and the overarching narrative that connects these passages. Isn't it something how these different parts of the Bible separated by many years and different literary genres, they have the same imagery, the same themes, and even some of the same patterns. It's like the scriptures are talking to each other. I don't know. I'm just... 
I'm just always taken aback by the unity and the continuity of the scriptures, the coherence. When I see it like this, both of these passages in Jeremiah and in the Psalms that we've been reading, paint this picture of Israel and Judah as a well-loved, albeit troubled, vineyard that is yearning for the touch of the master vine dresser. In the structural design of the scriptures, we can hear the psalmist crying out in despair, that raw pleading with God, like their hearts are bleeding. They're begging for God to turn back to them, to intervene. And then listening or reading Jeremiah's warnings and admonishments. And it's like, well, now we have the backdrop to the story. We get insight into why this is happening to Israel and Judah. And we're like getting the other side from the psalmist. Both passages in Jeremiah and in Psalms, they're mourning the cyclical pattern that is playing out through the ages. One scholar said that there's about 600 years between Jeremiah and Psalms, these particular passages, and that may not be precise because it's very, very difficult to date some of these ancient texts. But the point is, hundreds of years have, you know, transpired between these two passages. And it's like they are using the same kinds of imagery. And what we see here, the pattern, it's like when God's chosen ones stray from his path, the rain of blessings turns to a storm of affliction, yet a heartfelt return to God opens the door to restoration at the end of Jeremiah after he said all of that. After God told them how he was going to let the mothers lose their kids and nobody was coming to the funeral and all of that destruction and devastation, then at the end he's like, but if they come back to me, I am. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to bring them back to their land, just like I brought them out of Egypt. I'm going to return them to their land once again. And it's a it's a cycle. And I'm like, it's not just a cycle that played out in biblical day. It's like we still we still experience these cycles. And I wonder if we'll ever learn, like, or is this just going to be the cycle until Jesus comes back? What deeply moves me, though, is that while these passages do illustrate the fact that disobedience triggers undesirable consequences from God, ever so compassionately still, they highlight that there's always a space for repentance within the sanctuary of God's covenant with us. He's so merciful. Our God who disciplines also forgives. He who cuts down also heals and restores. These passages position our individual lives and generations on the spectrum within God's sovereign, redemption-centered master plan for us all. And I don't know. I don't know what uncertainties that you're facing today. Maybe you feel cut off or in need of some kind of restoration or redemption or even rescue. Let these passages really minister to you. Let them revive your spirit. The gardener, our gardener, he is waiting, ready to nurture us back to fruitfulness as we lean toward him and dwell, abide in him. 
and he will abide in us. The invitation to come back home to what you know to be true love, it is always there. He is standing at the door, standing on the porch as the the parable of the prodigal son teaches us. He's standing, waiting for us to come back to him. He's always there. He is the true vine after all. Jesus, he is our everything. The one who took all sin and judgment upon himself to graft us into new life with him. And so as we continue pressing on through the scripture this year, let's let these themes and patterns and metaphors, let's let them really, really permeate, penetrate, saturate, and speak to our innermost being, these metaphors of God as the gardener and Jesus as the vine dresser. And let's also let them serve as a reminder of both God's unconditional love and also his unconditional call to right living. God is serious about holiness. They go hand in hand. They go together. And we belong together, not just any old kind of way we can come however we need to come. But the call is always towards righteousness and holiness. We belong together with the true vine who has everything we need. And he wants to weave our stories into his day by day into this beautiful narrative. Yes, he is the God of all creation. He is the God of all things. He is the God over every realm, over all people, but he is also the God over our individual stories. He is so infinitely, intricately, intimately interested in our lives. And so every day we get to co-create that with him. That is such an honor and a privilege. And so, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the gift of life, and we thank you that you are the author of our stories, but that you give us the opportunity to write along with you. We thank you for the opportunity to grow each day, and as we strive to become better versions of ourselves, guide us to focus on our own path. That is the path that you have set before us and made straight and not be distracted by the path nor the progress of others. Lord, we acknowledge that each of us is on our own unique journey. This path that you have laid out specifically for us as individuals, help us to remember that our true comparison is never with others, but with the mold that you have designed specifically for us. And Lord, it is also all about being better than we were before, better than we were yesterday, better than we were last month, better than we were last year. Lord, grant us the wisdom to recognize our growth, however small it may seem, even if we are just improving a little bit each day. Remind us that these tiny steps of progress are leading us towards becoming the individuals that you have destined us to be. And Lord, never let us define success by external standards. Quickly remind us that it is not about anybody else. Lord, help us to understand that it is by the transformation that we experience in our walk with you that our success is defined. Help us to become more like you each day. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we find in Jesus Christ, your perfect vine who satisfies our every need. 
Lord, may we know him every day as our shepherd and our redeemer, our cover. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to die for our sins. Lord, bless each listener as they go from this place, carrying your truth in their minds and imprinted on their hearts. Lord, may all of these connections that we continue to discover unite us more in you. And may your light so shine through us that others may see our good works and glorify you. Now may your grace, your mercy, and your peace beyond all understanding dwell within us all until we meet again. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God said together, Amen. And our affirmation for today, My success is never defined by anyone else's pace or place, but by living fully into all I was made to be in this moment of being and by loving who I am while reaching to be something more. My success is never defined by anyone else's pace or place, but by living fully into all I was made to be in this moment of being and by loving who I am while reaching to be something more. And our aphorism. I have read many books, but the Bible reads me. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary expedition with me. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.